Trying to reconnect. Are we good now? Connected? All right. Hey, I'm Robert Pearson. Robert Bodelon Pearson. I'm trying to use the full last name because uh, both both family lines are important. Because uh, I am the the last heir to both of those lines, and the Bible shows that family lines are important. So, anyway, Robert Bodelon Pearson. And uh, says, follow the leader, and it's another just my two cents. I'm going to keep walking through different uh, points in my book that I wrote because I feel that God had placed me in a certain place in the world with a certain amount of uh, skill and ability to see things that uh, I needed to tell other people about it. So overall, the book is about uh, blue collar, I think, is being underserved or underreached in uh, modern evangelical media, at least the biggest... uh, the loudest voices with the biggest churches and the most books. Uh, they're, they're just not talking to the guy in the work truck at 4 a.m., uh, which is funny because there's a lot of radio pastors on in the morning between about 3.30 and 6 o'clock, and they don't seem to show any any recognition that there are guys in work trucks or on uh, construction sites listening to them. So, I uh, happened to have five years of Bible college skill that was uh, going to waste. And I realized the guy that put me on construction sites at five in the morning, listening to Christian radio so I could notice a problem and let other people know about it. And this is that. So, last one I did, I spent a bunch of time talking about, um, I forget. I forget now. I already forgot. The moment you hit record... Brain vacates. I'm just going to jump on what I have today. Uh, you can scroll backwards along. Anyway, oh, real quick housekeeping note. Uh, wherever you watch this, this is also on other platforms because I record it and then strip the audio and put it up on podcast platforms with Anchor. Anchor goes like everywhere. And then um, I also have my own website I repost it on. And then I repost just like the raw YouTube videos on Medium. Because why not? It takes like 30 seconds. And uh, also, I'm on a podcast. Well, it's not really a podcast platform. I think it's for like independent rappers. It's called Audio Mac. Uh, There's a lot of inappropriate album cover on it. But it needs more Christian podcasters. So I'm looking at everybody that does listen to this that also does their own thing. Uh special call out to a friend from back in the day also Alfred DaCosta with uh, L4H podcast living for him uh, I think it's it's called something Pastor DaCosta now I forgot he did a quick rebrand but all of his links and stuff are still, still L4H so Alfred DaCosta L4H podcast you'll find him everywhere podcasts are sold and uh, awesome dude He's a pastor now, apparently, in the successive years that I hadn't heard of him, heard from him. But, anyway, people like him, we need to get on Audio Mac. All the Christian people. Because there's, like, nobody on it. And I I have over 9,000 listens, and I let it run fallow for, like, eight months while I polished off the last of my book and didn't even look at it. That's more listens than I have across ten platforms with Anchor on one platform. This platform is so small 
that like Eminem and Cardi B don't have more than 800,000 followers. So if you're a Christian podcaster, you need to get over to Audio Mac and start crushing. Uh, we need to we need to drown out all of the godless rap over there. It's gonna be awesome. Also, shout out to my like 200 listeners in Nigeria. That's pretty awesome, you guys. Thank you. If you're listening to this from Nigeria on Audio Mac, leave a comment because you can do that on Audio Mac and uh, say hi because because you're awesome. That's uh, oh one last housekeeping thing. I was on another podcast called Displaced Underdogs. It is an awesome podcast run by Morgan, who has tons of random conversations with people from her life. And uh, she's a very intelligent Christian lady who just has lots of, like, crazy nuanced amounts of knowledge about the American criminal justice system and horses and horse breeding and random history things and Victorian era sewing. It's pretty awesome. So we cover the whole gamut while I like randomly drift back to talking about my book. And we literally talked for three hours. It's, it was pretty great. So you should check that out also through Anchor. So anywhere podcasts are sold. Displaced underdogs. Underdogs is one word. And uh, yeah, it's, yeah, that was a thing. Uh, if you look at me on Audio Mac, I actually reposted the conversation we had there because that's the thing I could do there. Uh, I might put the link in the description of these videos if I remember to do that. No promises. All right, that's yeah. Those are all the housekeeping things. So here we go. Uh, I was going to talk statistics today. Blue collar. Uh, dem- the blue collar demographic, specifically blue collar men. It's like one-stop shopping for pastors. Now, I'm going to talk rather tersely about church leadership strategies. you got to understand, all of this is within the understanding that the Holy Spirit is the one that adds to the church and convicts the hearts of men of sin. We, though, as the church, are called to partner with Him and we work together. Okay, so uh, I always the I use this example in the book. I heard it as a uh, an actual life anecdote from a uh, a gentleman at a church I went to during a men's breakfast, and it was so perfect I've stolen it over and over again. He's out mowing the yard, and his kid is out mowing the yard next to him with a bubble mower, and he just has the aha moment of, oh, this is this is how me and God are. are. I'm like, I'm mowing the yard, Dad. And God's like, yeah, you are, buddy. And he's running the actual mower. And you're over there with a uh, Fisher-Price bubble mower. Uh, that's that's what, that's how we are with God. We, we totally understand that. Um, jumping allegories, right? With, uh, with farming, God makes plants grow out of the ground, but we have to plow the soil we have to plant seeds, we have to fertilize it, and if you do those things the very best possible, you get huge crop yields. Uh, when you when you use the right process, God is able to provide much more growth. Right? So that's applying that then, of course, to ministry. 
when you adjust the way you deliver your message. Don't adjust the message. It's from Scripture, always. Um, but you adjust how that message is delivered. You adjust... Can, you can target a message from the same Scripture to a men's conference versus to a women's conference, right? Or to a Sunday morning. Or to a Sunday school. Or to a children's church, right? Those are all... You can have the same Bible verse, the same message, but it'd be delivered in different ways in those different contexts, right? And that's what we're talking about. For blue collar, it's one-stop shopping for pastors almost. Uh, because, now this is sweeping. I don't like the gender gap language because it, it consents to a kind of a nonsense argument in the world. But for, for what I'm looking at right here, if you assume the church should have something close to a 50-50 split, on uh, demographic numbers, based this is all based on Pew Research uh, polls. I'm not gonna not gonna link in this description, otherwise I'll just never post this. Um, I had to keep things like trim and, and quick moving. Pew Research, uh, State of American Spirituality or State of American uh, Religion or something. There was uh, it's it's in my book properly footnoted. So buy my book. You know, follow the leader. Dot one slash book. It's there. You, it's a book you can buy now. I'm not used to doing this kind of stuff. Uh, anyway, so. I put out it properly in the book, but that's all of these numbers are coming from the same massive uh, study that Pew Research did across like thousands of uh, people across the U.S. There's an excellent cross section of American uh, citizens. Anyway, I say anyway, way too much. So, assuming something close to a 50 50 split between men and women, right? It's not going to be perfect, but it would be within one or two percentage points, right? There's a 10% attendance gap between men and women uh, based on this study. Or a survey, I guess. It'd be a survey. And that was just asking, like, attendance. Like, do you go to church at all, right? Do you identify as an evangelical Christian? So, already, that's uh, running the numbers, you know, because you've got the same research poll at 70% of the American population are identify as Christian, and then of that, and then of that, right, and they, they break it down after that. So if you take, uh, it was 45 to 55, uh, men versus women. So only 45% of uh, American Christians were men of the respondents of this survey. I'm going to stop caveating it and just roll. That's a 10% difference. So assuming an ideal 50-50 split uh, when you run the numbers, 70% of the projected American population of adult men, you wind up with about 23 million men that are not showing up to church. Um, you know, identifying as Christian. So that's I mean, that's a lot. That's kind of a lot when you take percentages and turn them into real numbers. That, that 10% gap is is a fair amount. Now, adding to that, of the so now we're talking percentage of the percentage, right? So of that forty-five percent, now we're talking everybody that does identify. So not only are we already down uh, twenty-three million, we're going to look at engagement. And now I, that's my term for there were like ten or twelve different categories that were uh, cross-referenced by or that were asked about. There are twelve different questions that were asked about and then charted by uh, Pew Research, and those uh, those were 
uh, things like attending a weekly prayer meeting, attending church more than once a week, uh, volunteering at church in some capacity, believing that the Bible is the inspired word of God, you know, little stuff, right? Believing that God exists, believing that uh, the Bible is a moral rule for life and that you need more than just reason and logic to come up with proper morality. Uh, there was a bunch of other stuff. There are about 12 different categories. I can't remember off the top of my head. Now, in each of these categories, men ranked an average of 7% lower than women across all categories. It, uh, sometimes it was like 4% less. Other times it'd be as much as like 10 or 15% less as far as attending weekly prayer meetings, uh, praying personally, doing private devotional um, and the number of times a week you would do private devotionals. These are all different kinds of questions. You know, do you, do you uh, pray alone daily, weekly, or monthly? Do you, you know, do you attend church? Do you believe the Bible is inspired? Okay, a good book of teaching. The King James Bible is the only inspired version. Everything else is heresy. You know, where, where do you fall on that? That was the kind of questions they were asking. So, the, uh, it was fascinating though. So, you have 7% average. It was an average, averaged out across all the questions. It was about 7% less. So men are 7% under-engaged than women, and you're already starting at a 10% deficit. So not only are there 23 million men missing, if the numbers are correct, if, you know, there's a lot of caveats, but we can't have a meaningful conversation if we can't generalize. People, let's just go. Let's roll with it. Stay with me. Stay with me. 23 million men are missing from the church. Also, running the number 7%, you wind up with about 15 million men that are under-engaged. So they may say they, they're Christians, they may go to church, but they're not reading their Bible, they don't believe it's, you know, God's inspired word, they don't believe it's helpful rule for life or necessary, they're just like, ah, go because it's good stuff. So that's like 30 million men that are missing and or under-engaged. And it's, uh... There's a lot, and or wasn't, not, or, it should have been or. Anyway, so it's, men's ministry for a long time has been known to be a huge weak spot in the church, where like a lot of stuff, a lot of stuff has been um, missing in uh, a direction of men's ministries, and that's not every church, obviously. Some churches have this uh, more on point than others, but as in, in general, it's always been kind of known churches for women. So, if you are able to target your messaging or some of your schedule or find a way to intentionally reach out to a blue-collar blue-collar demographic, this is like one-stop shopping. Because, uh, now, blue-collar gets used a lot in the book. I do use essentially two different definitions. Uh, one definition, because you can't find statistics for the stuff I was looking at, uh, it's essentially working class, uh, which is the new rhetoric they're using. I'm going to keep using blue collar. It sounds cooler. Um, and then more precisely blue collar, still not exactly blue collar, uh, is the Department of Labor Statistics, the Federal Department of Labor, or Bureau, Bureau of Labor Statistics or something like that. Once again, all property footnoted in the book. I have an entire chapter on these statistics and then an appendix that lays out the statistics and the numbers thereof in just like a straight math wall so you can see what I'm talking about. Um, I'm a little too engineering brain to have done charts 
and graphs. I'll get it on the next go-around. The second edition, I already have to rework it because the crony baloney messed up all of the statistics and the statistical projections thereof. What are you going to do? So, blue-collar, uh, one-stop shopping, men's ministry, right? According to DPO, or no, it's uh, Bureau of, anyway, Bureau of Labor Statistics, right? They, um, blue-collar jobs, we're looking at industry, industrial, manufacturing, mining, uh, construction. Those, that's uh, 13% of all jobs are blue-collar jobs. And adding to that, 80% of those 13% are men. 79% and change. 80% are men. Here's the thing. 80% is still not exactly accurate because they're looking at the industry in which your company operates. So if you work HR at a subcontractor, you count towards that um, construction. You count towards that construction block. So as far as guys actually in the field, actually doing stuff, um, it's, it's, it's actually probably higher than 80%. However, we'll use the 80% because those are the hard numbers we have. Moving on, 80% of 15% or 13%, assuming all, you know, 150 million average, um, it was about 150 million uh, U.S. American uh, male jobs, or no, yeah, yeah, my brain is, is fried right now. Uh, I, I record these on the drive home from work, so my brain's, brain's frazzle-dazzled. Here we go. Uh, you're looking at about 150 million men, or uh, adults, there we go, 150 million adults that are employed in the U.S. There we go, that's the demographic, or the, uh, the demographic information I was doing. So, out of that 150 million, you're looking at 13% are blue-collar, 80% of that 13%, there we go, number of times are happening now, you wind up with about uh, 16, it was about 16 million. So you have about 16 million men that are not being engaged properly by mainstream evangelical media. Well, you know, we were, we're under-engaged in our own congregations by 15 million, and we're missing about 23 million. It'd be nice to get a 15 million bump, depending on where those guys are at in either of those categories, whether they're, you know, what percentage are under-engaged or not attending at all, or already attending and fully engaged this guy. So it just depends, right? But it's, it's a good place to start and to focus. The other thing is statistically, um, this is the short of it. I don't have as many of the hard numbers off the top of my head for this one. Baby boomers are retiring quickly. Everybody knows this. It's called the linear progression of time. Okay. Well, there are a lot of baby boomers in blue collar that are not being replaced. So there's a skills gap. Mike Rowe's been talking about it for years. It hasn't fixed. It ain't fixing itself, guys. Also, current immigration is still only about a million a year, I think. Or the, I looked up at current numbers for the book. Once again, the book, everything's properly footnoted. I have up-to-date numbers as of when the book was written, which was just before Coroni Baloney kicked off. Uh, I need to do a review, revised copy, I understand. But I, we got to get the ball ro rolling somehow, guys. I can't keep putting it off. 
And the way numbers bounced back as soon as the, uh, the corona spike was over, I'd say these projections will hold pretty close to, uh, to the future. Pretty, pretty close to the, what we would expect to see in the future. So, moving on. Boomers are retiring. People aren't replacing them. Immigration can't replace them as quickly as the, uh, those jobs are being vacated. We have a bunch of millennials that are saddled with, you know, near unpayable college debt. And then also, increasing numbers of millennials in Generation Z are choosing not to go to college. I got a report for that. I think it was Citibank or somebody or some bank or a lending institution that had done a, a thing on it. So they are going to skip college and join the workforce directly. Do you know the quickest way to start making money with an excellent long-term career goal that allows you to actually make enough money to afford a house or something or start your own business or, you know, anything? Provide for a family? Yeah, blue-collar trade jobs. Uh, I guarantee you the blue-collar skills gap is going to fix itself here in the next five or ten years. You're going to see a spike in... uh, Millennial and Generation Z and whatever the youngins coming after them are called. Uh, probably Generation PUBG or something. Or Fortnite. Generation Fortnite. So what's going on, though, is there's going to be a... There's a vacuum created, right? There's a, there's a skills gap. That means you have higher wages because they don't have as much people. So they're having to fight over the people they do have. Wages go up. It becomes more lucrative to work a trade job. I, I hate to tell you this, guys, but uh, the whole Corona baloney stuff, I, I didn't stop working. I think we lost one day of the week because we just wanted to be a little careful or something. Uh, but life went on. All of that money had been in motion for six months before anything kicked off. All of the plans were dated from like June 2019 or June 2018. Uh, all of that money, all that planning was in motion and it wasn't going to stop. And so we kept building. We kept working. You know, okay, time to throw the muzzle on. We'll keep working. And uh, that was that was it. I didn't have any problem at all. So not only is it potentially lucrative if you know how to hustle or you know how to specialize, it's also incredibly robust in times of chaos because buildings got to get built. Stuff has to get fixed. I mean, look at the guys who were throwing up all those temp hospitals. I, I knew a couple of them who uh, went up to throw them up for MCD. They got paid good money to run up there and slam together these temp, temp hospitals. Accountants aren't doing that. Just saying. And we don't have any debt after we learn our trade. We get paid to go to school to learn it. It's a good deal. That's what I'm saying is you got about 30% of, there's a, was it, like 10% of millennials, 11% of Zoomers, and about 20% of millennials say they're skipping college. And then 20% of Zoomers and like 10% of millennials said they were skipping, or no, they were taking a gap a gap year. We, we all know the gap years turn out. I, you don't, you just, you get bogged down with a family or, or uh, a job. You start working your way up in the job. And life hits you fast. You take a year off, uh, unless you like travel Europe, you're, you're not, you're not going back to college to go do something. You'll, you'll take a couple of years of community and then just join the workforce again or something. 
It's not, it's not likely at all. So that's like 30% of millennials and 30% of Generation Z that are basically skipping college to go straight to the workforce. Now what happens when they find out how lucrative it is to become blue collar? There's about ready to be a blue collar boom in about the next five to 10 years. Wouldn't it be nice if your ministry was already set up with specialized schedules and messaging to target blue collar men to uh, reinforce the church and to be able to uh, impact the future generations? Maybe, maybe. All these young guys coming up are going to be in control of the levers of power for the next 50 years. You know, wouldn't it be nice if somebody had got, you know, Biden into a church or something early on and got him to stay there? You know, or Trump even. He wasn't particularly religious until, you know, he became necessary to get votes. I, I have no allegiance to party. I vote not baby burger. That's my vote. And so I, not baby burger. That's my only vote. And there's only one party that's branding is we agree murdering babies is bad. So that's where I go. It doesn't matter who, whose face is on the ticket. They'll do whatever their millionaire donors tell them to anyway. That's what being a politician is. Anyway, anyway, that's how life goes. Moving on. That's why your only trust is in Christ. You pray and, uh, test the spirits, man. So it's important though, that blue collar get reached out to, and this is one of the main reasons that it can be very beneficial for the church in the coming decades is if pastors start getting this right. And if they start zeroing in their messaging, you can kind of lead your target. So when the blue collar boom comes, they're already on point, ready to go. They've got it's fine, you know, oh yeah, you work midnights or something, That's you work midnights at a factory, that's fine, buddy. We've got you covered. Uh, you know, come to our Tuesday church service. We, you know, we've got worship and a message, and uh, you're good to go. That doesn't happen. I know it takes a lot of manpower, I know it's more commitment on the church organization side, but, you know, life is hard, and things worth doing are often hard. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's going to take a lot from other people. It doesn't have to be a lot, guys. It's just one lady on a piano and the pastor being willing to just repeat the Sunday message in the middle of the day for like an hour. And yeah, you're going to have to do it for like your two guys that work at the factory at your church. So do it. Cause otherwise they have nobody they can invite to, they have no place they can invite their buddies to church. It's always going to be just those two guys that aren't able to show up unless they happen to get the day off or it's a holiday or something. I mean, how many people at church right now know of somebody whose husband or wife can never make it to church or they only make it every other weekend? How are they going to invite people from work to church? They can't, is the short answer. They can't. They're like, hey, make sure you take eight hours, you know, you only get like three days of paid vacation a year. Make sure you take like one entire day of that to come to church with me once, come on, that doesn't happen. So you got to adjust. You got to be willing. Start small. It doesn't have to be huge or elaborate. It just has to be. Um, that's that's it. But it's if you get it tuned 
and set upright, there's going to be a blue-collar boom. One of the guys I work with dropped out. He was an engineer, already had gone through college and got a job as an engineer, hated sitting behind a desk, became an electrician. Same age bracket. This is not impossible, and it's already starting. So, you know, get on the board. Get on board with it. I'll see you in a decade, and you can see that I was right. All right, that's all I've got. Uh, Godspeed. Go check out Displaced Underdogs. It's hilarious. Bye.